On the podcast this week, we have Ray, and Ray is one of my good friends. She's one of my good friends from my yoga teacher training that I did back in the fall of 2015. And Ray, I would just love it if you could introduce yourself and tell us what your favorite book is that you have read within the past year. Oh, that's like too perfect of a question. But um, I'm Ray. I live in Austin, Texas. I am a nurse. I'm a sex educator, I'm a yoga instructor, and I'm a herpes activist. And the most recent book, I've actually reread it a few times. We've read it in my book club. Um, It's called Pussy of Reclamation. And it's a great book. Um, I was told about it a few times. And usually when that happens, I'm like, okay, why has this book come up? Um, and I, I grab it. And this book was too perfect for me. And I can explain why in the long version or the short version. Either one. We've got time. Okay. So Pussy, um, a reclamation, really talks about women and getting kind of comfortable, even with that word. I think a lot of us kind of cringe at that word. Um, I know I used to, but now it's my favorite thing to say. It still makes people pretty uncomfortable. But um, so I had a lot of trauma with my own body. Um, Like I said, I was a herpes activist. So I was diagnosed with genital herpes in 2016. And that very same year, I had um, a strain of HPV that actually Um, instead of cervical dysplasia, it actually liked my vulva a bit more. So I actually had to have some precancer removed um, from my vulva in at the end of 2016. So I had a lot of trauma focused around that body part. And um, that book kind of found me and it talks about women kind of getting back in touch with their sexuality and um just owning that, owning like your feminine power and your sexuality. And people are really afraid of those things, I think. And so that book is just incredibly inspiring. I love that. Yeah, it's been recommended to me as well. So I think, you know, like you said, after something has been recommended a few times, it's like, okay, I just need to go ahead and buy it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Highly recommend. Awesome. So in the interview questionnaire before when you were booking the call, I asked you what are some things that you're excited to talk about on the call? And you listed a few things. So I want to go through those while we're talking. And the first one is empowering women who have experienced sexual trauma. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you go about doing that? Yeah. So um, a while back, I think it was July, I just started I decided to start a um, support group here in town for women living with HSV or genital herpes um, or any herpes of that kind, actually. And because I had found a support group here that just wasn't really what I was looking for, it seemed more of like a, a place for people to meet and date within the community. And, you know, I have a partner, I'm engaged, I wasn't really looking for love, I was looking for like true support. You know, I had a lot of support from my friends and my family, but nobody that really lived with HSD. And so I wanted to create a community of women that could all relate on that same level and use each other as resources and support um, and encouragement. And so I created my own support group here. 
And then that kind of evolves into an online platform where I have an Instagram and, you know, I'm just trying to help women overcome that heartache when you're diagnosed with a, an STD or an STI and especially one that is lifelong. So I really just wanted to create space for these women um, because I know that I was looking for that when I was first diagnosed. You said that this is now an online platform. What is your vision for this platform? So yeah, I have an Instagram and it kind of just started out as like, you know, posting some empowering words of wisdom or something like that, you know, just reposting those really inspirational quotes that we all love so much on Instagram. But then it just felt like not as deep as I wanted it to be. So I wanted to introduce myself to these women and I wanted to put a face out there as a friend. Um, It turned into a website. I have a blog. I have online meetings now monthly because a lot of my reach is, you know, actually international. I I have more people online than in person for sure. So I thought I needed a bigger platform there. So we have monthly meetings. They're free and open to anybody who wants to attend. And then now I'm starting to do an end of the um, year workshop. So to uh, dive a little bit deeper where people want to explore themselves more. That's kind of how I came to terms with my own diagnosis is, you know, I took a lot of time to sit back and reevaluate everything. So I want to kind of share that space with women who are willing to dive deeper into their diagnosis and start to create a a relationship with themselves. You know, self-love is where everything starts. I think that a lot of people can agree with that. So I'm just trying to lead these women towards a more fulfilled, loving relationship with themselves. And are there, are there men in that group as well, or is it specific to women? No, it's women only, um, or non-binary. I, I could open that up to um, whoever identifies as a woman, really, um, because I don't know what it's like to be a man with HSV, um, so I can't talk to that, and um, I wanted it to be a more private space. I feel like when I went to the meetings, it was mixed. There were men and women. And I just didn't feel like I could really open up as safely as I could in a room full of women. I think that's really, really powerful because obviously I only have women on the podcast and I have had friends and I've had people reach out to me like, hey, I would love to be on your podcast. And I'm like, well, it's it's not that I don't want to share the male perspective. It's just Mm -hmm. uh, I want a place where women can come and say, I know what she's talking about because she shares a, you know, an, a unique experience that I don't share with a man. And so I'm glad that you brought that totally. up. Totally. I was just going to say, for some reason, I just feel like women connect on a, a more nurturing level with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you also mentioned the power of self-love. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit? Oh, yes. Um, I was just kind of journaling before this just to see where my thoughts were. Um, And I wrote down about self-love and self-love was the, probably my biggest part of my healing journey. Um, I isolated myself basically for almost an entire year 
Um, I know I, I say isolated, but I had a lot of support. I basically just locked myself away and dove really deep into self-love rituals. Um, I took a lot of time with meditation. I took a lot of time with positive language with myself. Um, I think we can, we're all guilty of, you know, being our own worst critic. Um, but I really focused on changing my narrative and how I spoke to myself when I looked in the mirror. Um, I took a lot of time just to indulge in pleasure and just be really tender with myself. Um, because after a diagnosis like that, that has so much stigma attached to it, you really can spiral into a dark place where, you know, you don't feel like you can be honest with people, you're ashamed, you're embarrassed, you don't have a lot of resources because nobody's really talking about it. So before I could start talking about it, I had to get to a place where I was really comfortable with myself. And that started with self-love. So you mentioned some self-love rituals such as meditation and positive self-talk. Were there any rituals that you know, someone might not initially think of, like something that is just totally maybe considered out there by society that you were like, this has actually really worked for me? Oh, 100%. Um, I got really into yoni, which is um, the Sanskrit word is a safe space. And it's basically talking about a woman's vagina. Um, I dove headfirst into pleasure because, you know, I had so much negative energy surrounding my sexuality um, that I really, that's where I had to start first. Um, so, you know, self-love and physical form where masturbation comes into play. Um, I got into yoni eggs and crystal wands and yoni oils. Um, all of that, you know, just really kind of focusing on that area because I had so much self-hatred there. Um, that I had to be extra loving to myself there first. That's actually really, really cool. Like a lot of people probably wouldn't think, you know, okay, you've had trauma there. So a lot in our, in our subconscious mind, it's like, okay, ignore it. Pretend like it doesn't happen, you know, pretend like it didn't happen. Like just pretend, just keep on going. But I love that you kind of flipped the script and said, no, I'm going to focus love and attention on the area that where the trauma occurred. For sure. And I mean, the results were insane. Um, I, after my surgery, I could not have intercourse without bleeding and only like a little, but you know, I had scar tissue and I feel like I was really tense and a lot of negative energy was held there that I bled. Um, for almost two years after surgery. Um, it's just now where I've gotten to a point in my healing um, that I don't bleed anymore. And I'm the most sexually comfortable I've ever been. I'm the most um, orgasmic I've ever been. And I've been the most okay with myself that I've ever been. And it's hard to ignore the fact that those all are connected. Absolutely. So also in the list of things you mentioned that you wanted to talk about, you mentioned the power of orgasm. Can you elaborate on that for us? Sure. Um, orgasm is like the ultimate release, right? Um, we, we build up, we build up, we build up, and then we let it go. And if you look at that in all your other 
kind of aspect of life, a lot of time we don't ever let go. Um, and some women who can't orgasm are the same way. You know, we're just, don't, we can't let go. We're holding on to all of these things so tightly that we're never able to fully relax or enjoy the benefits of things. Um, I mean, traffic, think of traffic. You're tight, you're tense, you're tense. You just got off of work from a tense day where you're sitting at the computer and you go home and you've got more to do. And we don't let ourselves decompress. And orgasm, I think, is the ultimate decompression. Um, I know I do it before bed because it makes me super sleepy and relaxed afterwards. Um, but also, I'm really mindful now when I'm orgasming. Like, I'm very into my breath. I'm very aware of my body. Um, and it's almost like meditation. And the power of orgasm, this is even more out there, I'm sure. Um, and I don't even know if I have enough time in the world to talk about this. But I think that you can manifest things as you're orgasming. And that's just a power that women have. Um, in that book, Pussy, and in my like sex education, you know, you learn that women have all of these nerve endings in your clitoris. And it's like, an insane amount. Whereas men, you know, they have a penis and they have nerve endings um, and their glands is actually their clitoris, but their penis is multifunctional. You know, our clitoris is only there for one thing and one thing only. It's there for pleasure. And if we're not just downright amazed at that fact, then we're missing the point profoundly. Um, we were designed to, you know, fill ourselves up with pleasure. Um, I think that's incredibly powerful. And if you're not tapping into that, then I think you're really missing out on something bigger. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. I want to dive a little bit deeper into this. You mentioned that that's a way to manifest. What do you mean? Yes. By that? <laughs> so, um, I mean, I know that you're big on manifesting and I think, you know, my superpower. Um, yes. I started manifesting parking spaces. Oh, um, yeah. Today I manifested the sale on bath and body candles. You guys are all welcome. Um, <laughs> go get them while they're cheap. <laughs> but all joking aside, I, you know, like if I'm really focused on something and I masturbate and I orgasm and I'm, holding that intention really close to me it's it's been almost crazy how magic it has been things manifest um you know i i could give a million examples but that's kind of how i make my big decisions or what i really want is i take it into the bedroom and i work on it there and i don't know it's just this strange connection with yourself and your higher self suddenly is just there. It's very, I just can't even explain it. It's one of those things you just can't put your finger on. Um, so, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I completely understand the, like, you can't explain it, right? There's, I think that it's yeah. totally fine that there are things that happen in our lives that we can't explain. But when you, are you always, um, is it always through masturbation like by yourself or do you typically have a partner when you're, uh, when you're manifesting through an orgasm? You know, I, 
it's it's definitely a solo thing. It's personal. It's very intimate. It's something I'm looking for. Um, you know, my relationship with my partner sexually is more of an exchange of energy. And then when I'm masturbating, it's really, you know, a relationship with me in the universe. You know, first of all, the universe is responsible that I'm here at all, um, that I have the body that I have, that I have the capabilities with my body. Um, so it's almost like an exchange of energy with the universe at that point. Um, me showing gratitude for what I've been given, you know, everything up until now, the trauma had me um, grow closer to myself where I don't know that I'd be having the same conversation with you had it not all happened. But, you know, it led me down this path of pleasure and sexual exploration and manifestation and suddenly it just all seems so clear to me. And I know we said that it's hard to explain, but suddenly it's like the clouds have parted and I'm able to see kind of the bigger picture, you know, we're here to experience. And if we're going to experience, it may as well be through pleasure. I'm sure there are going to be women listening to this podcast and wondering how on earth they can tap into this. Yeah. Where, where um, would you direct them? Uh, it's, it's uncomfortable at first, especially if you're somebody who's never been that um, sexually curious or comfortable with your body. That's hard. You know, I had some body image issues when I was younger, just like every other woman ever. Um, you know, and it started, I went to a group, a women's circle, and it was about women who have experienced body dysmorphia at any point in their life. And they had us take, do take home exercises. And it was, looking in the mirror and just telling yourself 10 things you love, like very descriptive detail, not like, Oh, I like my hair. No, it's like, I love that. I have long, healthy hair. Um, I love my long legs. You have to be really descriptive and really pay attention to yourself. And then from there, it's just, then start touching yourself, you know, like, wow, I really like the way my arms feel. I like the way my breasts look you, and start touching yourself, exploring yourself, see what feels good and then take it from there. Um, I think so much, even partnered sex is all about what we think it's supposed to look like. And same thing goes with masturbation. A lot of the time women are just like, oh, I got a vibrator. I'm going to like get this over with and get to bed. I've only got five minutes. I can't believe I'm still up right now. Let's hurry up and get this show on the road. Big mistake. Um, it's like the most wonderful time you can spend with yourself. You know, take a bath. Put some coconut oil on your entire body. Lay in bed. You know, just treat yourself really kindly and and then like thank yourself through pleasure and like here's a little treat for you and just enjoy yourself. Um, I promise you that your relationship with yourself will only continue to get beautiful and powerful and then your relationship with other people just stem from that. Yeah, I feel like I've been I've been learning a lot more about energy and shifting energy for the manifestation process so that you can live mm -hmm. on a higher vibration the majority of the time. And mm -hmm. we talk a lot about um, gratitude and how gratitude is just a magnet to 
manifestations. And so when you were talking about talking about your body and your breasts and your arm and your legs and your hair in in a very loving way that, you know, is also a way to show gratitude towards the things that you do have, because not everyone has breasts, not everyone has arms, not everyone has legs, you know, it's like, I'm so so grateful for this fabulous, strong body that I have. Mm -hmm. Yes. So on the topic of orgasm still, I have a question for you because mm-hmm. I, uh, I think this was not this past year, but the year before I went to the Texas conference for women and I went to one of the seminars was, I can't even remember her name, but she was, um, like a relationship expert, you know, counselor or whatever. And she talked about how a lot of women, and, and even men too miss the miss like a huge opportunity within um, our intimacy when it comes to always expecting or always hoping for an orgasm. And because we're always hoping for that, when we don't achieve it, it ends up kind of it ends up making us feel more frustrated and more you know more resilient totally. towards our partner. So what what would you what is kind of your take on that? Right. And there's also like that pressure for your partner, like, oh, I couldn't get them there. And um, so I recently read this book um, called Slow Sex, which is also another good one. Um, And it talks about, you know, orgasmic meditation. It's called OM. And they basically have partners get into a position where the women are basically laying in the man's lap and their, their legs are spread and they're very vulnerable. And you have to start this process out by the man describing your genitals. Um, And I mean, that just sounds super uncomfortable for a lot of people, I'm sure. Um, But it's not just like, oh, yeah, it's beautiful. No, it's like describe the colors and the shape and, you know, what you love about it. It's just supposed to be very intimate. And then from there, the man just lightly strokes the woman for 15 minutes. There's a timer involved. There's no expectation of orgasm. There's, it's just experiencing touch. And in a world where we're so overstimulated, like with social media and pretty much anything you could think of, we're overstimulated. And the same goes for our genitals. You know, like a vibrator, a high, high-powered vibrator that just gets it over within a couple minutes um, versus a light touch, like we're almost numbing our senses when we overstimulate. So this is helping you come back into just enjoying touch, not being like, oh, this isn't getting me there, but how does it feel? Like finding the pleasure in every stroke. And a lot of people are like, well, what does the man get out of this? But if you ask the men and like in this book, they talk about how they get a lot more out of it. Like they feel super connected to their partner. They almost feel this like electricity through their fingertips. And it's just there to kind of show you that it's not all about orgasm. It's about connection and communication. Afterwards, they talk about like what they felt. Um, and just more than just orgasm. You're so right. Everybody's really focused on that. And that's kind of like, they're the worth of the sex you've had or like oh I didn't get off so it wasn't good sex um no that's not it it's all about connection it's all about sensation and exploring it 
it's not about an end game. It's kind of about the journey, right? It's always about the journey. I love that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And <laughs> when you said, um, you know, some people ask, well, what's in it for the guy? It's like, if you're, I feel like if your guy is asking that, then you probably don't want to be with him in the first place. <laughs> no. And it's totally, that's like what the girl is thinking, you know, most of the time. And this is always, it can be done um, with same-sex couples, but this book really does focus on heterosexual couples. So just putting that out there. But um, the women are always the ones asking, like, well, what does a guy get out of this? And guys are just, I hate to generalize, but guys are simple. Guys just are excited <laughs> that you're interested in anything at all. They don't care. Like, women have this put all this extra pressure on themselves like oh god he's gonna look at my vagina and think it's the weirdest looking thing ever I assure you if that your legs are spread wide open and you're asking your man to look at it he is gonna be so pumped yeah you're naked yeah I mean he's not gonna be like "Mm, I'm not really into this I assure (laughs) you he's into it yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned um, a vibrator and you were like, mm-hmm. you know, that's part of the overstimulation of what's going on in our society right now. Would you advise against vibrators for that reason? No, I, I can't advise against vibrators because I just used mine this morning. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I try, I really do try again we all are so crunched for time. I'm guilty of that myself. But, you know, most of the time I try really hard to set aside a good chunk of time to be with myself. But, you know, a, that can take up to 20 minutes. And sometimes, you know, I had to get to yoga this morning. So I wouldn't advise against it. I do highly recommend trying to stay away from them for a while or use them very um lightly or infrequently I should say um because of that very reason you can overstimulate yourself I could not have an orgasm without a vibrator for a majority of my life um I would say probably in the last year I mean that's when I started really exploring this I'm able to masturbate manually um I'm able to squirt am I allowed to say that on this podcast (laughs) you're more Um, than welcome to say that (laughs) I mean these are things that I didn't think I could do I was like oh I can never again here's manifesting oh I can never come on my back I can never come with just manual stimulation have to have a vibrator and I'm just perpetuating that if I honestly believe I can't come without a vibrator you better believe that's all I'm going to be able to do Mm -hmm. so I I really made it my homework assignment to be like, nope, you're not leaving until you're able to experience an orgasm with just yourself, just your hands, maybe some coconut oil. I just wanted to see um, how long it would take me or if it was really possible. Like I was, I don't care how long this is going to take. We're going to do this. And it was the most beautiful 40 minutes of my life. It was ground shaking. I was crying sobbing happy tears afterwards and then I got up and walked to my kitchen naked and just like was laughing I was just like wow that was insanely fun and great and empowering as hell I love that that makes me so happy 
You're like, <laughs> picture you crying happy tears. Like, yes. I know. Just like, oh, wow. You go, girl. Yeah. And it's crazy, you know, the, the limiting beliefs that we hold on to as our truths. And when you realize that you can just let go of a limiting belief, oh, I'm not the type of girl that does that, or I, I've never been able to, so that means that I never can. It's like, just try, commit to it and try because you're telling, if you're, if you have convinced yourself that it's not the case, then your subconscious mind is going to find every single reason for you to not even try. 100%. So shifting topics a little bit, one and two, one of the other topics that you mentioned was living with HSV slash HPV. Um, What is the difference between those and what would you tell someone who just found out that they will be living with that? Totally. So HSV is the herpes simplex virus and HPV is the human papillomavirus. Um, Both are extremely common sexually transmitted infections. Um, I was lucky enough to have both. Um, And a lot of women do. But we don't talk about it. There's a lot of sex shaming, um, a lot of stigma surrounding STIs, which I think is so ironic that it literally starts with STI stigma. Um, And that we, first of all, weren't really educated on it as young adults or children. Um, I think a lot of people still lack a lot of education on the topic. Um, But it's so, so common that it blows my mind that people aren't talking about it. Um, I mean, I feel like the rates for HPV are somewhere like if you've had sex with more than two people in your life, you have an 80% chance of contracting it. And then with HSV, one in four women are living with genital herpes. That's one in four. That is crazy to me because when I first found out, of course, I felt so alone. I was like, oh, I can't believe this happened to me. There's nobody else in the world that knows what I'm going through. Like, who can I talk to? And the answer at that time was nobody. So I didn't talk about it. Um, it wasn't until I started opening up to people that I found out that one of my very close friends has it too. And I was like, I lived in misery for an, a year because I was too afraid to talk to anybody. And there was support right under my nose um and basically I want to educate women um to to an extent where they don't feel so alone because the statistics the facts living with them living with them is is almost like nothing at this point I'm so okay with all of it you know of course HPV was not cool because it did give me pre-cancer but that is just another reason why women need to go get tested, you know, like, um, and be their own advocates because I was misdiagnosed with both of those. Um, yeah. Okay. Here's a rabbit hole. So I was misdiagnosed with HPV. Um, I had HPV when I was 16. It was the first time I ever had sex. Of course. Um, I got it. I had, um, you know, a clopo where they scrape off the cells and in the office, which, you know, I had a horrible experience there. I was, 16 years old, laying on my back in the gynecologist's office, the guy who was doing it, the doctor, 
he had come to talk to our class in high school about abstinence. And while my legs are spread and he's scraping my cervix, he tells me, yeah, it was clear that you didn't really listen to me, what I had to say. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was so ashamed. I felt so horrible. And that moment will stick with me forever. And then, you know, I had, I had normal pap smears after that for 12 years. No, 10 years. This is two years ago. Um, and then I started right after I had my HSB diagnosis, you know, I was really paranoid. I was constantly checking my body in the mirror and every itch and every tingle and every bump and every ingrown hair. You're like, what is this? Um, so yeah, I got really familiar with my vulva and there was a, you know, little bump there that just didn't seem right. And I went to the doctor and they're like, oh, it's probably nothing. We'll just watch it. I went to the doctor. I probably went to the gynecologist eight times that year. Kept going. They kept saying it's nothing. And, you know, they had misdiagnosed my HSV too. It wasn't until I had a blood test that it confirmed that I had it. So, you know, I finally was just, I took control over my own health. And I was like, I'm going to find a doctor who's going to listen to my concerns. Like, I've been here eight times this year. I just don't feel like something's right. So I went to a different doctor. They immediately biopsied it. And it was pre-cancer. I was like two stages away from having vulvar cancer. So I had surgery. And I was just like, man, there's no education. Women are so afraid to go and speak up for themselves. Um, a lot of women don't even look at themselves. That is crazy to me. Um, you have to be so familiar with your body. If I hadn't, then who knows what would have happened. And you know, there's not a lot of education or support from doctor's offices. And STD testing does not include herpes, by the way. If you go and you're like, I get tested every year, they're not testing you for genital herpes because it is a blood test um, and you have to request it. And a lot of the times I've heard so many stories that when they request it, doctors are like, nah, you don't really need it. I'm like, 90% of people who have genital herpes don't even know they have it. Um, because a lot of it's asymptomatic. Not everybody has sores. Um, it can be transmitted through viral shedding, which just means, you know, like when you have a cold, like you can't see it, but you're contagious. Um, and people don't know this and their sexual health is at risk. And so, you know, you need to be educated, but also you need to not let stigma and shame overcome you because it is so common. Like, so many people have HPV, so many people have, have HSV that it's not as scary as it sounds. And a lot of people don't want to go get tested because they just don't want to know the answer. That's, it's so incredible to me, your story about um, what your doctor, your doctor said to you when you're 16. Like that just blows my mind that there are still people that say things like that, especially in a position of power. And I, you know, my experiences with Western medicine, uh, especially when it comes to my sexual health and reproductive health, like I used to get 
really bad yeast infections, like all the Mm -hmm. time, all the time. Like I would go get the over the counter egg that you, you know, shoot inside you and then it drips out overnight and it's awful. Like I'm, I have a Mm -hmm. very specific memory of like not reading the directions all the way in college and showing up to cheerleading tryouts in college, like with this stuff dripping out of me. And I was just like, Oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. And this persisted for years until, you know, out of college until finally I, I was just going to visit an acupuncture school because I was interested in Eastern medicine. And so you get a free treatment. And I was like, well, I don't really know what to tell them I'm dealing with, except for this thing that like keeps coming up, even though it currently wasn't flaring up. And so they had a few students in the room and a doctor and um, they're asking me about my diet and all these things that I had no idea would be influencing what's going on down Mm -hmm. there, you know, and turns out it did. And turns out the fact that I was eating so much sugar, like yeast loves sugar. Why didn't my Western doctor ever tell me that, you know? And it's like, Mm I feel like so many, and that's why I feel called towards Eastern medicine because I feel like in a lot of situations, women aren't getting answered. Women aren't getting listened to. They're not being listened to. They're not, you know, the follow-up is just not there. And I don't know why, and I don't even really care to know why. I just feel like we need to be a part of the solution. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Like when I talk to women about their genital herpes, like so many women write me on Instagram, like, this is happening to me. What do you do for this? What's your experience here? You know, and I tell them all, we're all different. You know, like what I, people think I'm crazy when I say this, but HSV is a very unique virus. It manifests, there's that word again, in each of us very uniquely. Um, so what, what one person uses might not work for the other. And that's what's so, what I'm so grateful for, for the virus is that it made me be very aware of my body, um, what I was eating, what my stress levels were like, you know, how did I feel about taking a daily antiviral every single day? Um, there's so much that goes into it and you have to just one, be an advocate for yourself, but you need to do your own research. You know, you can't just believe what somebody tells you um, because I, I think we're right on with Western medicine. They kind of lead their own beliefs, you know, like, oh, you have to take a daily antiviral if you ever want to have a partner. Or, I don't know. It's just crazy. And of course, we can get into pharmaceutical companies leading things and all of that. But, you know, it all boils down to knowing your body paying close attention to it and really figuring it out in terms of what works for you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am so glad that you brought this up. This is, this is like probably one of my favorite episodes so far. <laughs> um, so let's talk briefly about um, how the worst year of your life planted the seeds that blossomed into success and personal growth. Yes, yes, yes. This is my new narrative. My old narrative used to be, you know, like, oh, my life is over before it even got it got started. You know, I was careless and look what happened. But now my narrative is, I'm so glad this happened to me because look at all of the opportunity it led me to. So I like to talk about 
this, they talk about this in pussy and it's, you must rupture to rapture. And, you know, this isn't a new concept, but I love how she talks about it in the book. Um, talking about how we all have that kind of rock bottom, that thing that happened to us that we think ruined our lives or was certainly the worst thing that ever happened. You know, in 2016, not only did those things happen in terms of the surgery and my diagnosis, but my apartment burned down. Um, it was a really low year for me and it took me way too long to pull myself out of it. But once I did, I was able to look back at the experience and say, oh my God, I'm so thankful that that happened to me because look at the people I met, look at the support I have from my community and my friends and my family and all of this love, this unconditional love that people showed me no matter what filled up my tank to the point where I was able to rise stronger than I ever had been before. And if that hadn't happened to me, I don't know that I would feel this way today, you know, have this incredible relationship with myself, have this passion to empower women and inspire women to do the same. Um, you know, we all have trauma or loss. Um, and I, by all means, think that we should grieve, but we, we shouldn't let it ruin our lives. It only let, it only ruins your lives if you let it. Um, if you flip the script and change the narrative, it really could be the best thing that ever happened to you. And so the 2016 was the worst year of your life, but what has manifested since then? Yeah, so I, that year, I had no sexuality. I had a horrible relationship with my partner. I had no idea what I wanted to do with myself. You know, I'm a nurse, but I, I love people, but my job wasn't filling me up. Um, and from all of that, you know, I have an incredible relationship with my partner. I have an incredible relationship with myself. I, it has propelled me down this path of sexual enlightenment and wanting to help women love themselves. So where can women go if they're looking to love themselves more? Where can they learn more? Within. Within. Um, <laughs> there, are so, there are so many resources you can look for for self-love. Um, do you mean specifically with me or at home right now what, they're, what they could do? Both, actually. Okay. Um, at home, I just encourage you to start with those daily affirmations. Um, try to find the highlights of your day instead of focusing on those lows. You know, even the tiniest accomplishments, just applaud yourself. Um, it could be anything. Maybe it was just getting out of bed today. That can be a big deal for some people, depending on where you're at in your own self-healing journey. Um, but, you know, really figure out what it is that you love. You know, is it hiking? Go, go outside. Don't oh, find an excuse to stay in. Um, just go. And you'll 
you'll be so glad that you did. Same thing, like, oh, I don't want to take a bath. I don't have time. I'm just going to take a quick shower. Take the bath. Put some candles on. You know, read a book. Do something really, really nice for yourself on a daily basis. Um, and I talk about this I, in my Resolve workshop. It's the end of the year, commitment to self-love. You know, starting the new year out, you don't have, HS, you don't have to have HSB to do this. Um, but, you know, make that commitment to yourself. We're almost in the new year to make that a priority. Resolve to love yourself more. Um, and everything else will follow. If you love yourself, your relationships will blossom. Um, your frequency will be so high. You'll attract the same kind of people who are also loving themselves or on a journey to loving themselves. You know, like try really hard to make it a commitment because I promise you it'll change your life. And then where can people go to learn more about you and be a part of your support group? So I have a Instagram handle. It's positive.results.atx. I have a website. The link is mostly on the Instagram. I try to make it like a secret society because women living with HSV want to be really private. Um, So if you are interested, you can reach out to me on Instagram and I'll, I'll share the password with you. It is password protected. Um, but yeah, it's, I call it a sisterhood. Um, if you want to join the sisterhood, all you have to do is join in. Um, and there's always more information on there. I love it. Ray, thank you so much for sharing your story and your light with us today. Thank you so much for the time um, and sharing space with me. It was really fun. Yeah, absolutely.